on October 16, 1987, a young man goes missing from the campus of Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Five days later, he's found dead at the bottom of a stairwell in plain view of all the campus. What caused his death? You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Jack Davis Jr., basement somewhere in the bowels of georgia got a couple of five star reviews i think we do got I'm a new patron do we really yeah that's nice uh, uh we hit a little dry spell there and then i'm not reading one of the five star reviews because <laughs> i saw it i know who it is i he saw told it. me about it but at least it's five stars it is but He's and, trying to copy the... Yeah, I know he did. I saw that and I was like, yeah, somebody's trying to one-up the good enough. Uh, you can't one-up the good enough. No, it, you just it's, can't. it's t-shirt material. Oh, I'm, I'm, we're going to. Whenever we get off our lazy asses and make another t-shirt run, that's going to be on there. But So I'm not reading one of them, and I already told him I wasn't going to. So we got 99 ratings, though. So the next one can be number 100. We might do something special for them. So get off your ass and give us a five star review if you love if you like it. Anywho, uh first one is uh Holy Roller Skates. And he said Wait a minute. We got two. Just, let's go back. We, you know. Yeah, we got one. Excuse me, go I'm back, sorry. Go back, go back. We got one the night we recorded last week, so I don't think we hit that one. No, this one, two days in a row, or wait, when did we record last? That would be seven days from today. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Well, did, wait a minute. Did we do the... Okay, we're going to do them anyway. It ain't going to hurt if, nobody's if, feelings if they get shouted out twice. If we already shouted you out, just know that we're stupid. So We got uh, T. Moreno 33 said, stumbled upon this. So glad I did. My dad was a detective for almost 30 years, so true crime is hardwired into my life. Told him I want to be a forensic entomologist at five. Yes, we did this one already. So it's always been a huge love for me, and I regularly follow about 25 different podcasts. These two have insanely good chemistry and great personalities. They don't claim to know it at all, <laughs> but have well-informed opinions and research. They give great recommendations and are only getting better and better. Would love to send some brews from my home state of Nebraska and maybe a case to cover, too. Yeah, we did that one already, but it's okay. We can do it again. And... uh we got the button, PayPal link on yeah. our Mysterious Brews fan page. Oh, we do. Group. Yeah, yeah, we do. Well, it's your PayPal account. <laughs> yeah, if you join the group, you can know my original identity when you pay me. Uh, KDOS07 said, love y'all. Thanks for so many laughs and great content from our shallow, well-lit, humid, dry gun warehouse somewhere in the caves of Northwest Arkansas. Keep up the amazing podcast. We did her too, and... I did not catch it last week when we did that, but she also is our newest patron. Nice. Miss Kayla Doss. Thank you, Miss Kayla Doss, at uh, the $3 tier. 
They got Holy Roller Skates, Wilson Combat Shipping's new, and it cuts off. I can't read the rest of it. I don't know what it says. Hold on, I may have it. But it says, I had a recommendation while at work and couldn't be more hooked. Beer and mysteries, what more could you ask for? Thanks again for the laughs, stories, and noting the best beer choices. Holy Roller. And I looked up Wilson Combat, and that's right up your alley, my friend. I know. I know who they are. They make top-of-the-line Cadillac grade AR-15. Cadillac grade? Yes. Well, the, uh, if they'd like to send me one, <laughs> I'll give them free sponsorship for the... So, yeah. W- look up Wilson Combat. It's a, it's a website in Arkansas. They sell world-class AR-15s, so do that. Do you have another one? That's it, man. That's all I got. I got another one. I'm not going to step on your... Oh, I got to do it. Well, I got what in trouble last time. My, the top yeah. one. So, fresh. What's this from? I get an email about our stuff. Well, it's not on the, the Shut Apple your thing. face and read it. <laughs> <laughs> it says, fresh, five stars. Who doesn't like some true story mystery? If you are having trouble sleeping, don't check out this podcast. Don't check this podcast out. If you are bored, then here is a way to wake you up. Super fun. That's awesome. Thank you all so much. Even my jujitsu brother, who is a juvenile, who just said five stars. Eh, I gave him a shout out anyway. But he did that on purpose. Yeah, he did. But it's still five stars. That's right. <laughs> and we appreciate all five star reviews. We appreciate any star review. Unless it's below three stars, and then we'd like to talk about it before you submit it. Yeah, yeah. If you've got an opinion that's less than three stars, reach out to us, and let's see if we can, you know, make it up to you. Come to a three-star ground. Anywho. Tonight, we are visiting the great state of Pennsylvania. And since we're lazy, and we only stopped at a convenience store to get the beer, we're going to go ahead and drink Rolling Rock. (laughs) And it is a good, good beer. It's good enough. Good enough. Like us. Yeah, it's just like good us. Good enough. <laughs> All right. Enough of the whatever you want to call it. I don't want to do what uh, others bullshit. do. Bullshit. Yeah, there enough you go. Enough of the bullshit. So we're talking about Jack Davis Jr. And if you tuned in last week, this is almost a carryover. Not a part two, well, but a carryover. Yeah, we we originally planned to do Kurt Sova and Jack Davis Jr. together. And when we finished up Kurt Sova, we were like, oh, shit. We forgot somebody. <laughs> we forgot somebody, which is sad. We don't mean to forget someone. So we decided to make him a full episode. Both of these gentlemen have been featured on Unsolved Mysteries. So if you would like, once you're done listening, get on there and look them up. So so 20-year-old Jack Davis Jr. of Penn Hills was a sophomore at Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Which is kind of weird. Yeah. On the night of Friday, October 16th, 1987. I believe. No, never mind. <laughs> he doesn't believe anymore. He's changed his mind. Well, I was thinking about uh, a school I almost went to, but I just remembered it's in Indianapolis. It's Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis, IUPUI. So I thought it was the same school, but it's not. It's in a completely different state. Yeah. A couple of states in between, too. <laughs> <laughs> So on the night of Friday, October 16, 1987, Mr. Jack Davis Jr. attended a party with his fraternity brothers. Later that night, he went to some taverns in downtown Indiana, Pennsylvania. 
He never returned to his apartment. Unfortunately, five days later, he's going. It's going to be important right now that we state that he is going to be seen drinking heavily that night. He drunk. Yeah, he's he's tying one on. He snookered. So five days later, on October twenty first, nineteen eighty seven. Searchers would find Mr. Davis Jr. dead at the bottom of an exterior stairwell of Wendat Hall on the IUP campus within view of Oakland Avenue. An autopsy was performed by Indiana Hospital pathologist Stephen Griffin the next morning. The Indiana County Coroner Thomas Streams determined that Mr. Davis had walked down the stairs, collapsed due to intoxication, regurgitated, then inhaled his vomit and died from asphyxiation mere hours after being seen by his friends. Coroner Streams ruled the manner was accidental and surmised his findings as, quote, the body was not in disarray from a fight. There was no sign of defensive wounds as a struggle. There were no drag marks. There was just nothing remarkable about the body. The scenario was that Mr. Davis wandered down into the stairwell in an intoxicated state, perhaps to urinate, collapsed in an unconscious state, vomited, inhaled the vomitus into his lungs, which therefore then subs- subsequently caused his death, end quote. Case closed, guys. Tune in next week when we do uh, Mini Mini Brew. <laughs> Well, that's not all of just it. not that simple here. The coroner's conclusion left Jack's friends and family with more questions than answers, and I would have to say, uh, duh. Winning. One of their <laughs> main concerns was how long it took searchers to find Jack's body. While that stairwell that he was found in is outside of Wendt Hall, it is not used very well. Students and faculty frequently walk by all hours of the day. If Jack had died in that stairwell the night he disappeared Friday as the coroner ruled, why did it take five days for someone to find his body? Yeah, it's highly unlikely that you're going to lay there for five straight days and not one person is going to notice you. Or smell you. Yeah. I mean... On Unsolved Mysteries, they said that if he would have graduated, he would have graduated with a class of 2,700. That's just the seniors. So imagine, you know. All of them's not graduate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just saying. I mean, so you're thinking about a school with about 10,000 students. Yeah, we're not talking about a junior college. No, this is a big-ass school. Yeah. So at the insistence of his family, three years after Mr. Davis's death, Indiana County District Attorney William Martin agreed to reopen the investigation. So in November of 1990, the Allegheny County Court approved to have Davis's body exhumed for an autopsy by Pittsburgh pathologist Cyril Wecht. And he is like, he's good. Let's just put it that way. If you don't know who Cyril Wecht is, you've been living under a rock if you're a true crime fan. He's good. Dr. Wecht. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, he (laughs) may know a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Dr. Wecht is a well-known forensic pathologist who has completed 14,000 autopsies and reviewed or consulted another 30,000. That's an insanely large amount. He has performed the autopsies of a guy named Elvis Presley, Hmm. someone named John Bonet Ramsey, 
He was also called as an expert witness by the Congressional Committee investigating the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Before Dr. Weck started his review of the <laughs> autopsy, he found some puzzling details. Quote, I was puzzled as a matter of common sense. How could a body have been lying outside on a college campus for five or more days, unseen, unnoticed by anybody? The other thing that puzzled me was I thought, gee, why would a young man in the early hours of the morning walk 15 steps down a landing and another five steps to urinate? I remember when I went to college, and I remember what young men will do when they have to urinate. If they are inebriated, not too many people have that kind of discretion and personal sensitivity. So that did not fit either, end quote. He then found discrepancies in the toxicology report. Jack was known to be drinking heavily on the night he supposedly died, yet absolutely no alcohol was found in his blood. Dr. Weck knew that was scientifically impossible if he died on Saturday morning. Quote, whatever level you have at the time of your death will be the level that will be found later on. In order for him to have wound up with no alcohol in his blood at the time of death, he would have had to have been alive for about 30 hours. The fact that there was no alcohol in his blood indicates to me that he did not die at that time when they theorized he had fallen down the steps, end quote. Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of strange when you decide that the man died by, acci by accident asphyxiating on his own vomit because he was too drunk to stop himself. But when you do the toxicology report and there's zero alcohol in his system, that kind of makes you look like you're full of shit. Yeah, just a tad. Calls in your credibility. Yeah, for sure. That extra 30 hours would put Jack's death on Sunday afternoon, not Saturday morning. Dr. Weck found additional evidence that indicated the official story. Jack had been clean-shaven Friday night when he was last seen, but when his body was found, there was heavy stubble on his face. He had to have been alive for a significant time, perhaps days beyond Saturday morning, in order for his beard to grow. Dr. Weck described one final puzzling detail, which were the autopsy slides of Jack's lungs. Those slides proved that the young man could not possibly have choked to death on regurgitated food. Quote, if you're going to list that as a cause of death, you've got to find food particles deep down inside the small terminal air passageway, and that wasn't present. The other thing about the autopsy that really stood out for me was the fact that he had that the head had not been examined. The pathologist who did the autopsy had not opened up the cranial vault, end quote. Which is, it's odd that he wouldn't be that thorough, but, you know, playing devil's advocate, you gotta, he determined that he choked on vomit, so there was no reason for him to open it. Yeah, and as I stated earlier, the quote from the original pathologist said he did not see any marks on the body so that would lead him not to open up the cranial vault mm -hmm. in his defense yeah he said he, he, it was clear that he wasn't beaten he was not in a physical altercation he had no wounds and blah 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 blah. but you know after performing his own autopsy dr weck proposed an entirely different cause for jack's death quote when i opened up the skull i found three fractures three areas of skull fracture with significant bleeding overlying the brain it's a blood clot it's a pooling of blood and that was the cause of death, which had never been appreciated because the head had never been examined in the first autopsy, end quote. 
Dr. Wecht also investigated the alleged site of Jack's death, which it was the stairwell where his body was found. Wecht wanted to see if the location could somehow validate validate the official findings that Jack had died from a fall in the stairwell. I'm not having a good day. Validate. Validate. We're going to get there now. We're going to validate it. Weck's personal observations confirmed his doubts about the, quote, stairwell scenario, and he states, quote, I realized that the body could not have accidentally fallen or been thrown from high up because he would have had eggshell depressed-type fractures. Similarly, it did not appear that he had stumbled down the steps because there was no pattern of abrasions and bruises, and so that did not fit, end quote. So Dr. Weck then visited a classroom located directly above the stairwell where Jack's body was found and looked out the window. Some 200 students had passed through the rooms during that time. The view of the stairwell was unobstructed, yet not a single student had reported seeing a body. There was one final problem with the official finding of accidental death. During the two days before Jack's body was found, heavy rain fell on the campus, yet Jack's clothing was bone dry. To Dr. Weck, that was another glaring inconsistency in the official finding. Quote, Jack's clothes were not wet. I would say it's more likely that Jack Davis died elsewhere or was injured elsewhere and then was placed at the bottom of those steps. I base this upon the known facts, end quote. Now, a lot of people have a problem with that set of facts. Who? You tell me who. And we'll talk to him. Well, just about everybody that <laughs> wants him to be dead from gurgitating on his own vomit. They're saying that doesn't matter if it rained, the wind into that stairwell oh, would have dried. Oh, come on. Are you, no. That's what they say. Now, here's no. my counterpoint to that. If he, let's just say, I don't know how much he weighed. Let's just say he was 150 pounds. He's a, he's a pretty decent-sized guy. So 150 pounds, and it's r- blowing rain. There's going to be rain that his that's kind of blown in to where he's lying. And that body weight and wet clothes will stay wet because there's no air getting in there to dry it out. So I agree with Dr. Wet. Well, considering he's a very famous forensic pathologist and the other people are fucking morons, I'm going to go with him. I'm going to decide with him. I'm going to say that the 14,000 that he's performed and the 30,000 that he's consulted on gives him a little bit more yeah, credentials. he might know more than you do. Now, a user on sitcomsonline.com message board states about the rain, and his username is TVG. Yeah, of course you're going to trust this guy. Wait, is he on our side or, he, or the other? I don't know. Listen. You well, I, was gonna, I, I, have to, I have to know before I judge him. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. (laughs) As for the rain, I remember it was raining a lot in the days before they found him, so it's very hard to believe that he wasn't wet. That stairwell was not covered, so it would have been raining on his body for at least a day or so. It was not a light drizzle, but a soaking rain. The stairwell was outside of Wendant Hall, and while it wasn't too close to the street, I can't believe no one saw him from the window. I also remember that there was no real search for him until his family organized one. I think his friends at the time said he walked a a girl back to her dorm and went missing on his way home. If that story was true, and I don't think it was, and they have had conducted a proper search from the point where he supposedly was last seen, they would have found him very quickly. 
The police speculated that he took off on a road trip and there was no urgency about finding him until his family started talking to the press. The police failed this kid and his family big time. Now, others have come to the same conclusion as Dr. Wecht and local journalists Marlene Brennan and Sharon Santos investigated the death. Brennan theorized that Jack may have been caught up in a feud between two rival fraternities. And she's on record as saying, quote, Some students report that there were up to five fights that night, and it could be possible that he was involved in one of them, and he was injured, and someone didn't know what to do with him, so they kept him somewhere thinking he might get better, and he didn't. And then they moved him to the stairwell, end quote. Now, user TVG goes on to state, I also believe that more than a few people know what really happened to him. The rumor on campus was that after coming back to the house after drinking, that's the fraternity house, Mm -hmm. the guys were playing Donkey Kong, not the video game. They would roll a keg of beer down the stairwell (laughs) and they would try to jump over it. (laughs) I heard that a very drunk Jack either fell or was clipped on the head by a bouncing keg. For whatever reason, they didn't take him to the hospital. Much was made about the frat fights that weekend, but the truth was they were always fighting over something. The drinking at the frats was out of control on that campus at the time. Now, another user name called Extreme Investigator was actually majoring in forensic investigation, and he state some points slash counterpoints. Now, the points are originally posted by UM longtime fan and extreme investigator does the counterpoints. So the first point is, but what if Davis didn't fall down the stairs but simply fell over the edge of the stairwell, went to answer nature's call, stumbled, stumbled, over the edge of the drop and fell to his death, not down the stairs, but straight down, causing the, quote, blow to the head. See, my question would be, wouldn't there be blood? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But again, it did rain, so maybe the rain washed it away and somehow his clothes got dry. Well, the counterpoint is, the problem with this is that he had, if you remember, multiple abrasions and contusions, which I didn't know that. They you called didn't it, know that? Come on, man. You're the research guy. They called it the eggshelling effect, which I do remember him calling it eggshell. Bodies do not bounce when they fall from a height. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not funny, but it is. So your scenario may explain a blow to the head, but not the other blows to the head. Wex said it indeed looked like he had gotten into a scuffle. That's also why the guy thought he got it from falling down the stairs. That could be true. However, the body would have came to rest on the stairs, not the landing. Bodies don't roll either unless they are forced. Point two, the beard and dry clothing don't bother me that much. Facial hair and all hair continues to grow after death. It cannot be relied upon as time factor versus, say, the temperature of the liver. Counterpoint is, this is very true, but don't forget, liver temp is extremely unreliable. Our professors akin it to the only way to know if it, to know is if the bullet they are killed with strikes his watch stopping time when killing him. It is a calculated formula, but with temperature fluctuating day and night, it's not very reliable. They usually narrow it down to a couple of days. Point three. 
with regard to no alcohol, what happens to alcohol after a few days in the body? I can't remember if Weck mentioned this or not. Was his blood only tested for alcohol? Could Davis have, Im- have been impaired by another substance? The counterpoint is, Weck said there was none in his system. Now you take that on average, it takes one hour per drink to pass one system, more or less depending on one's tolerance. One drink being either one beer, one shot of 80 proof, or one glass of wine. Alcohol stays in one system after death. Regardless, it would have been in his system during the autopsy since his body was fresh. On the note, rigor mortis hadn't even set in. Despite the several days missing, this leads me to believe that he was killed shortly before he was found or he was attacked and then for days was given shelter hoping he would heal on his own. When he didn't, his body was dumped. Point four. Why would somebody bring the body back to campus, especially where there are so many potential witnesses? Would there be another stairwell that is closer? I'd like to see an aerial photograph of the IUP campus to see where the body was found. Counterpoint. This is actually very common. People think he can be saved, but if they bring him to the hospital, now you've got to include yourself. This is why ER folks say some, usually gangbangers, because they don't want to get into trouble. will literally ride up, drop off the bullet-ridden bodies in the front, and take off. By law, hospitals have to stabilize anyone they see, regardless if they have insurance, ID, etc., They don't have to perform expensive procedures, but they are obligated to get them to a manageable state as possible. So I can definitely see frat kids, alcohol, tempers flare, Jack gets into a fight and is accidentally killed, punched, and he falls back and hits his head. They panic, keep him, trying to heal his wounds, hoping he will come to. Dropping off at hospital, well now they have witnesses, so... We will dump him in a public place, but after hours where no one will see us. But someone will see him soon. Hence why Weck said someone would have seen him if he was lying there all weekend. The last point, point five. Wouldn't a secret like this be tough to keep even in a fraternity? Obviously, the police found out about the other fights. Wouldn't they find out about an accident? Counterpoint. You would be amazed, as I was at some cases. I've heard stories of rapes and murders secret for 30 years. So, yeah, it's definitely risky, but some folks do keep secrets. I just, I don't know, man. If it's like a fraternity-related thing, there's a lot of people involved. For all of them to keep quiet this long? I've also seen and screamed at cases where people are like, well, I knew, but no one asked me, so I didn't say anything. What the fuck? That's bullshit. Well, I figured the police knew what they were doing, or they come forward when the one who threatened them dies, etc. That last one's just like facepalm. So there was a book written, and it was called Justice Wanted, The Kid in the University Stairwell. And Marlene Gentlecore a former freelance writer with the Greensburg Tribune Review published a book that lays out a more sinister sequence of events that led to the death of, quote, the kid in the university stairwell. Gentlecore says, 
Quote, I just thought it was important to put it out there and tell what happened to his family and this student. In the book, she recounts what surfaced and reveals that and reveals what remained beneath the surface after Indiana authorities first concluded the investigation. Injustice Wanted, Gentle Core recounts that three years after Davis's death and at the insistence of his family, like we stated earlier, the Indiana County District Attorney agreed to reopen the investigation. And... In 1990, she happened to meet Jack's stepbrother, John Lynch, not the football player. I was about to say, the guy that played football. <laughs> he found out that Gentlecore was a reporter and he started to talk to her about his brother's death. Together, they dug for evidence and reviewed records in Indiana County. And she's on record stating. And quote, I just kept on investigating. We found a lot of information about how the case was treated. It was just a strange case all around. She goes on to say that she pursued the people who knew or associated with Davis in Indiana. What she learned only cast more shadows over the official version of what happened. Quote, I don't know why this happened the way it did, she said. It's just like somebody was protecting someone. Among others, Gentlecore said she found irregularities in the way the accused bartender was prosecuted for allegedly serving alcohol to Davis. I guess he was underage. And there are newspaper articles out there about this bartender being arrested and tried, but it's real small print, and to blow it up, you have to pay like $50 over three months. And we just ain't that kind of podcast. So it shall remain a mystery. <laughs> but if you've got one of those subscriptions, hit us up. We'll we'll put some money towards your way. Not 50 bucks, but I mean. I'll go Havies. I got five on it. Some IUP students of the late 80s agreed to talk to Gentlecore, but only when she was promised to them not to reveal their names. They told Gentlecore that Davis's fraternity, Sigma Tau Gamma, was not recognized. Quote, they were like a, grin, a renegade fraternity and had some unsavory members. She was told that Davis's big brother, an older student assigned to his mentee, was a major cocaine dealer on campus. I mean, you got to make a living. Mm-hmm. And when Jack's body was found, he was wearing that person's fraternity jacket. Interesting. For a decade and a half, Gentlecore said, she was only wanting to clear the air. Quote, I've not only been investigating this case for 15 years, I've also been trying to help his family find justice. His mother is still hoping that one day somebody will walk up to her and tell her exactly what happened to her son. In 2005, Gentlecore was ready to take her story to the public, but she hesitated. Quote, I decided in 2005, and there were reasons I had to put it away. Fortunately, that was a good idea because since that time, a retired Indiana Borough police officer contacted the family and said Jack came to him for protection two weeks before his body was found. Oh, really? Gentlecore said, quote, that changes the whole story. That meant that Jack knew he was going to be harmed. He knew who was going to harm him, but just being 20 years old, he didn't know they meant business. End quote. Well, 
so he was 20. It was what, like 1980, what? Six? Yeah. Wasn't the drinking age 18 at that time? When no. did they change it? Well, it depends. It's by state. It was 21 because uh, Louisiana for years. Yeah, they got denied fed, all federal money because yeah, but, they were like, hell no, our kids are going to drink. That's right. <laughs> our kids can die for their country. By God, they can have a beer, which I agree with. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> if you're old enough to die for Uncle Sam and you can go buy yourself a gun, I think you can get a beer. One answer Gentle Cord did not get was why police didn't share that information with Davis's family or act on it when it, he was reported missing. I think the whole Indiana Borough Police knew what was going on, and I don't understand why they sat there and let the coroner say that this was an accidental death, she's quoted as saying. Quote, one of my hopes is that people that may have been involved or know something about this, they're older now and maybe they would say something. Maybe they are not afraid anymore. Maybe they're ready to clear their conscience or help the family have closure. As far as justice is concerned, that would be wonderful if that would happen. I think the family just wants to know what happened to their child and why. Quote, there are a lot of things in this case that are just wrong. And if you're asking why I did this for 15 years that's why it's just wrong now justice wanted the book proposes that the case was not what indiana officials said it was in 1987 the true story takes readers from idyllic campus scenes haunted by images of senseless and brutal death to the coroner's examination room all while questioning how we treat the dead and how we treat those who survive Gentlecore said that her book stopped short of spelling out exactly what the evidence shows about Davis's death. And she states, quote, I'm a reporter. I tell you what I found, and I tell you how, it's fit, how it fits together. But I would never sit here and tell you who did it or why or what. It's not my job. My job is to give you the facts. When you read the book, you come to your own conclusion of what happened and why. Now, you can purchase Justice Wanted, the kid in the university stairwell, for $19.95 on Amazon.com or $12.99 for Kindle. Pass. So now we get into theories and questions. So the first one is, who was correct in their original autopsy? Dr. Streams or Dr. Wecht? Oh, I'm, uh, that Dr. Streams is full of shit. I mean, are we even, are we really going to consider that? That's one of the questions. I mean, he didn't even... Uh, Come on. Come on. Did Jack die accidentally with his body laying undiscovered for five days? IUP is jokingly an acronym for I usually party, but every student daydreams once in a while and looks out the window. If Jack's death was a homicide, what happened? The strongest theory is that something tragic happened. While Jack was with his fraternity brothers, was kept alive for a few days, then after he died, he was disposed of in the stairwell. If you take a look at the Indiana Gazette article, I cite and highly copied from, shout out to Chauncey Ross. If he reads this, he's probably a Redditor and he is awesome. There is a comment saying a local rumor was he was accidentally killed by a hit to the head with a keg while playing Donkey Kong. Not the video game. If Jack was unwanted in the unofficial fraternity perhaps other fraternity brothers took it upon themselves to get rid of him while he wasn't paying attention or it could have been innocent roughhousing that got out of hand 
But if Jack had asked police for protection two weeks prior to his death, wouldn't he avoid the person or persons by not going to hanging or by not going to or hanging with the fraternity if he was afraid of the brothers? The last theory. Yeah, let's just get that out of the way. Get what out of the way? My dog's loving me. Don't be hating. I don't think that's how that's going down. Because they don't they don't think, they don't love you. I think you're loving him, making him make noises. Good dog. Yes, you will. All right. Yeah. I love my dog. He's my dog. You don't love my dog, that's okay. I don't want you to. He's my dog. Shit. <laughs> the last theory I've heard only comes from one place. When I told my former boss how I couldn't believe Unsolved Mysteries did an episode on this case, he revealed he was close friends with Jack while they were both students. His personal theory was that Jack was picked up by local police for being highly intoxicated. Between his aggressiveness due to inebriation and pr police brutality, Jack was fatally injured. My boss believes he was injured in the drunk tank, hidden for a few days, then disposed of on campus. I don't buy that. I don't. I don't. I don't buy that one either. Again, we're talking. There's so much. There's so many. Um, yeah. What the fuck am I trying to say? Two people variables. Can, there we go. Two people can keep a secret if one of them's dead. Yeah. There's so many variables to these situations. Someone's going to see something and say something. You can't keep a you can't keep all these people quiet. That's just ridiculous. A man that pulled the trigger's dead, son, within four hours of pulling the trigger. How do you know? I still got the shovel. <laughs> <laughs> That's obscure, but I get it. I, I'm with you. If you've seen the movie Shooter, you know what we're talking about. <laughs> all right, our theories. I don't know, man. I don't I don't believe the official story that he just laid there for five days. I don't believe that for a minute. No, not at all. He definitely he would have he wouldn't have had the stubble. He would have been wet. It probably would have been uh, signs of decomposition. That's my whole thing. If he laid there for five days, and if it had rained, and I know it's October in Pennsylvania, but you're gonna stink. Dead yeah. bodies stink after a couple of days, much less five. Yeah. I mean, and if it's an open stairwell, that stench is going to be blown downwind of the whole campus. Yeah. I mean, it's just no, you know, you're not going to lay there for five days and not be seen, not be smelled, not be, you know. I find it interesting he was wearing his fraternity brother's fraternity jacket. Yeah, that's kind of weird. And if his fraternity brother was a known cocaine dealer, they might have. You know, come to rob him or come to get revenge, and they fucked up, and it was somebody else. It was Jack. It wasn't the guy they were looking for. Or it's a boys on the track situation. He may have shysted the old cocaine dealer, and he was done away with. <sighs> Who knows? But I definitely don't believe the official story. The official story is bullshit. Um, yeah, and I really believe Dr. Weck, when he said he found the eggshell-type uh, fractures on the inside of the skull. He said he didn't, though. Weck did. Stearns didn't. No, Weck didn't. No, Weck did. No, he didn't. Motherfucker, I just read it. Then you're wrong. I watched the uh, the Unsolved Mysteries five minutes before you got here, and the man himself quoted 
said that he was, if he had fell from a far distance, he would have had. When I opened up the skull, no. I found three fractures, no. three areas of skull three fractures. Three fractures. That's not eggshell. Three areas of skull fracture with significant bleeding overlying the brain. Okay, I'll give you it's not eggshell. Yeah, you god dang right you're going to give it to me because I'm right. <laughs> okay, so back up. He said. He found three fractures on his skull. He said that it wasn't a far a fall from a far height because there were not eggshell fractures. Eggshell fractures. Okay. But he something <laughs> happened to the poor boy. He either got bumped on the head with the keg playing Donkey Kong or somebody knocked shit out of him. And he died from a what it looks like a blood clot on the brain. I kinda like the, the Donkey Kong thing. I kinda I think that might be what we're on to. But again, how you gonna keep that mean people quiet? Especially especially if you're uh freshman pledge James sitting in the corner, you had nothing to do with it. Well, in my case, and all of a sudden there's a massive cover up by your fraternity. How many people are playing this game? It's not like you're gonna play it with just you and somebody throwing a keg. Yeah, I mean true. I don't know, man. I don't know at all. We don't know shit. We don't know nothing. We not. We know nothing. Well, you would think <laughs> if he was clipped by a keg. Was he on the landing when he was clipped? Because if he was clipped, he would have fallen backwards, creating bruises and stuff. I think that, you know, he, the Donkey Kong theory is probably correct. The fraternity brothers somehow kept everything quiet, somehow. And they kept him in a room, hoping that he's going to get better. I like that theory. That, man, we can't, if we turn him in... If we take him to the hospital, we're all going. We're all going to jail. We're going to get arrested. We're not. They're already unauthorized. Yeah, we're already unauthorized. Yeah, they're trying to avoid trouble. So they kept him. He died. They said, "Oh crap, what do we do?" And they stuffed him in the stairwell. Well, that is our theories. So let us know what you think. You can either do that on our Facebook group page or you can reach out to us and direct a message on either social media platform, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. <laughs> or you can email us if it's a long one, mysteriousbrews at gmail.com. All right, recommendations. Well, I am definitely going to recommend that you avoid the documentary called Sasquatch on Hootlet. I'm going to actually convince you to not watch something. That was horseshit. <laughs> it was so anticlimactic. Uh, yeah, what is it? So, yeah, it's four and a half hours of your life. You'll of your life, back. you'll never get back. But it's called Sasquatch. Well, you know what? It ain't about Sasquatch. So don't waste your freaking time. It's a cool story. I and think then we talked about it last week, we too. Did. Yeah, we did. And we hadn't finished it. We hadn't finished it, but I did finish it. And yeah, I did, too, and I was not impressed. It's horse crap. Don't watch it. Totally off subject, but I recommend, if you are interested in the piece of shit Jeffrey Epstein that you look into ABC's podcast, Truth and Lies, Jeffrey Epstein. They do a very good job. And the more you listen, the madder you will get. It is 
If you just know a little bit about Jeffrey Epstein after listening to these 10 episodes, you will be like, how the fuck did it get this far? But I'm going to let you in on a little secret. The more money you have, the better your defense will be. The craziest part about everything you'll ever read or watch about Jeffrey Epstein is the fact that nobody knows where he got his money. Nobody. But he went from rags to riches. In the span of less than two years. Yeah. Somehow he gets a job at one of the most prestigious private schools in New York. Then he's at Bear Stearns. Somehow he evades a Reg D charge, and that is basically insider training, training, mm-hmm. trading. And then he has all this money, and he convinces the guy that owns Victoria's Secret to give him power of attorney over all of his holdings. Not for a year, for 10 years. It's crazy. But anyway, I, st- I did see, and we may do this for patron, uh, Patreon only. But no, we're not. Don't do that. There's a lot of things that <laughs> will make you question what kind of leverage Epstein had on people he knew. And I'll just leave it at that. A little cliffhanger for you. Yeah, he was crazy, man. All right. Well, you got anything else here, Slapnut? <laughs> I do not. Deuces. <laughs> <laughs>